0: Well, today uh, we have a very special guest, and I don't even need to introduce this woman to half of you uh, because you know the walls. Uh, Daryl and Mindy Wall pastor of a church in Leavenworth, Washington, and they're also our Foursquare um, emissaries to Sierra Leone. And so uh, we support – we help support Sierra Leone. And uh, we believe in the walls, and if you, have, if you don't know who the walls are, you just have to spend five minutes with any member of their family to fall in love with them and understand that they are not only amazing followers of Jesus, but they are wonderful parents, and uh, they are raising their children to love Jesus. They're fantastic people. They're all super musical, and uh, they're very gifted. So would you please warmly welcome Mindy Wall as she comes up to speak?
1: Good morning. Thanks. I was a music teacher for many, many years, and so I just feel most comfortable behind a music stand. Um, so thank you so much. Wow. Look at this place. This was our home church for 21 years. And we miss you. We really know that we are where God has placed us. And we know we're doing what he's called us to do. But we miss this place. This is an amazing place. I hope that you know how privileged you are to have this church in your valley. And the opportunity to come and gather together on Sunday mornings. Do you know? Excellent. Well, this morning I'm going to share with you a topic that is very, very close to my heart, and some of you will recognize very quickly why I chose this topic, Um, and I hope that it will encourage you in your walk with the Lord this morning, but I want to warn you ahead of time that I also have an ulterior motive for being here today, so don't be surprised at the end when I share with you some things about our ministry in Sierra Leone, okay? Deal? Okay. Okay. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about adoption. And I would like to talk to you specifically about our adoption as sons and daughters of God. And I'd like to give you a little bit of background information first, in case you don't know me. I see so many faces that I recognize, and a lot um, that have grown up since the last time I was here. But So a lot of you know me, and you know our family's story, but I'm going to go ahead and recap... For those of you that don't know us, my husband, Daryl, and I have been married for almost 33 years. Woohoo! We were young. We were just babies. When we got married all those years ago, we knew um, that we wanted to have a big family. We knew that children were in our future. And I also knew that I wanted to adopt children. And uh, my mom had been a single mom for a fairly big chunk of time. In my childhood. And uh, then she met and married a really amazing, amazing man. And he adopted me when I was 14 years old. So adoption was always something that was very near to my heart. And it was always on the table for me. It was always something that I planned to do. So we settled down and we started having babies. (laughs) And we had Spencer in 1992. Any of you know Spencer? Yeah. And then we had Mitchell in 1993. And many of you know Mitch and Ashley. They left you. I'm sorry. They also left me, which uh, wasn't fair at all. I'm going to drink my water as I talk. They had the uh, audacity to take one of my grandchildren all the way to Georgia. (coughs) And then after a couple of pregnancy losses, we had Ethan in 1998. And for reasons that I won't go into here, we knew that Ethan was going to be our last baby. And so I started to think and pray and talk about adopting. And I need to tell you, Daryl was not on board. It was not on his radar at all. Not at all. And the story of him uh, coming around to the idea of adoption and the way that God worked on his heart is a story for another day. But let's just leave it at the fact that it was three years after Ethan was born before we adopted and brought home Nikita from Russia in 2001. Anybody know Nikita? Yeah. Now, uh, we had a very busy household of four boys now. And we went along like that for quite a while. And then Daryl, the one who wasn't on board in the first place, started saying, You know, I'd really like a daughter. (laughs) So we went to China in 2007 and we adopted Elena. And then Elena started asking for a sister. So we adopted Maya in 2012. And then we adopted Haley in 2014. And then we adopted Jonathan in 2016. And then in 2017, we adopted Joseph and Deborah. And in case you haven't been keeping track, that makes 10. So we have three that were born to us the old-fashioned way. And seven that came to us through adoption. So now that you have that background information, that was important, Let's dig into God's Word. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to open them up to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. And I am reading from the New American Standard Version, and I think it's up there. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Amen. What a great passage of scripture. Now, there's a lot of great stuff here, and if I had all day, we could unpack it all. Blake said I don't have all day. So, we're going to focus today on this phrase, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters, people, right? You get that. Okay. He predestined us to adoption. So let's look at this word that we translate, adoption. Now, you know that the English language is limited. And the original language that the Bible was written in is not as limited. Many times there are different words and they mean different things. But this particular word, adoption, here in this passage and in a few other that we're going to touch on, this is the Greek word, huiothosia. Everybody say, huiothosia. <laughs> huiothosia. And it's only found in the Bible five times, this word, and it has three different meanings. Three meanings, three-point sermon, you're home by lunch. Right? Okay. So let's look at the first translation of this word. And it's found in Romans chapter 9, verse 4, if you want to turn there, and it says this. They are the Israelites to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. So point number one, adoption in the Bible scripturally means the relationship that God was pleased to establish between himself and the Israelites in preference to all other nations. The Israelites are God's children by virtue of their birth. That relationship started with God choosing Abraham and adopting him as his heir, the one from whom the whole nation, all of God's children would come. When I think about this relationship that God has with his children, it is in the context of my own family And my three children, Spencer, Mitchell, and Ethan, who were born to us. Those boys who were born into my family, they were born with certain rights and privileges just by virtue of their birth. Right? There was nothing else that had to happen. Just by virtue of being born, they were given our family name. They were given our heritage. That heritage came down from our parents and their parents and our grandparents and great, 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 great grandparents. And I feel so fortunate and blessed that the heritage that my children were given was a Christian heritage. My parents and my grandparents and my great grandparents and Daryl's parents and his grandparents and his great, great grandparents. This was a heritage of loving the Lord. And I'm so grateful that my children were born into that. But there was nothing else that needed to be done. Right? They, they received that heritage and that inheritance just by virtue of being born into our family. And that is the Israelites. They received those privileges and those rights just by virtue of being born an Israelite, a Jew. Right? Of course... With those blessings come certain responsibilities. Just as I expect a certain standard of behavior from my children, God has expectations for his children, the Israelites. And for much of their history, those expectations centered on their keeping the law and representing God by being separate from the society in which they lived. Time and time and time again, the Israelites broke their covenant with God. And time and time and time again, he showed them mercy and brought them back into relationship with himself when they repented. As a parent, I understand this heart that God has for the Israelite people. There are times... When our children make choices that hurt my relationship with them. And there have even been times when I have had to let them face the consequences of those choices. And that hurt my heart as a parent. But there is nothing, hear me. There is nothing that my children could do that would keep me from taking them back into relationship if they came to me and repented of whatever it was that they had done and truly wanted to be restored. Amen? Amen. And that is the heart that God has for his people, the Jewish people. There is nothing, 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 nothing that they could do that would keep him from bringing them back into relationship with him. If they turn back to him and they repent and they truly want restoration. This is the heart that Father God has for his children. This is that heart of adoption for the Israelites. Okay, we're going to look at the second meaning of the word. And it's back here again in Ephesians chapter 1 that we already looked at. Uh, I put it up again on the PowerPoint, but you don't need to read it again. So here is the second point, the second thing that adoption means. Adoption is the nature and condition of the true disciples of Christ who by receiving the Spirit of God become sons of God. Amen? Adoption in this context, this is what we read in Ephesians 1. We were chosen and predestined to become his sons. Now, unless you are Jewish, and it's possible that there are Jewish people here in your congregation, this is the adoption that pertains to us. This is the one that's about us. I want to tell you a little bit about our first adoption, our son Nikita. And uh, gosh, that was an important time, wasn't it? Those of you who are here, you remember that. It was a really important time. Wow. Nick was an orphan in Russia. He was five years old when we brought him home. He had no knowledge of what it meant to be adopted. In fact, he had no knowledge of what it meant to be in a family. And he certainly didn't know that we even existed. He had no knowledge of us. Truthfully, he did not realize that the situation that he was in was a very dangerous Situation that would ultimately lead to his death. I can tell you that with certainty. I don't know if any of you have ever visited an orphanage in Russia. It is not a good place. And he was not safe there. And I can tell you just a little snippet of what we came to understand about Nikita. He was five years old. There's a, there's a two-tier orphanage system in Russia, the baby orphans and the school-age orphans. And that cutoff is at the age of three. At the age of three, they're taken out of the baby orphanage and they're placed into the school-age orphanage. Now we're talking three-year-olds through 18-year-olds. Nikita, for those of you who know him, you know that he has a physical disability he was born with no right hand and only two fingers on his left hand these two by the way he can do anything he can do absolutely anything plays the piano yeah um the only thing he couldn't do for a really long time was tie his shoes do you know how many fingers it takes to tie your shoes think about that for a minute it takes all of your fingers to tie your shoes anyway that's an aside He was five years old, and he was still at the baby orphanage. Now, why was he still at the baby orphanage? Here's why. The ladies who ran that baby orphanage saw this child, and they said, This is a child who needs a family, and we don't want to send him to the next phase of orphanage life because, as I said, at three, they go from the baby orphanage to the school-age orphanage unless they're disabled. If they have a disability, instead of going to the school-age orphanage at three, they go to the mental institution. And it doesn't matter if cognitively, they're just fine. Anyone with a disability is sent to the mental institution. And if you think the school-age orphanage is a certain death, the mental institution certainly was, because it was three-year-olds all the way through mentally ill adults. And it was very common for the little children to not survive. So these ladies at the orphanage said, you know what, we don't want him to be sent there. So they falsified his paperwork, and they kept him there for two extra years and started begging, begging, begging anybody they could think of to find him a family. I know, isn't that amazing? And he ended up coming to us at five, right when they had been discovered... And he was going to have to go. He came into our family. We were here. He didn't realize he was in a terrible situation, a situation that was going to lead to death. He thought he was perfectly fine. In fact, he was really happy. He was the oldest one at the baby orphanage, and he kind of ran the show. We had to kind of get that taken care of when he got home, because he thought he was totally in charge of everybody and everything. He didn't realize the situation he was in, but we were here on this side of the world actively pursuing him. In fact, before he even knew we existed, we loved him with all our hearts. In our minds and hearts, he was already our son. And we were willing to do whatever it took make any sacrifice we needed to make to bring him home into our family. In a sense, he was predestined to become our son. He was already our son, even though he didn't know it yet. He didn't know he'd been chosen. And if push came to shove, he probably would have said he preferred to stay right where he was truthfully but he was loved with a love that he could not fathom and he was already our son even though the paperwork and the court proceedings weren't finished yet god pursues us in just the same way people he loves you with a love you cannot fathom even before you know he exists Even before you know that you have been written on his heart. Even if you think you're in a place that's just fine and dandy, thank you very much. He is pursuing you. And he is willing to move heaven and earth, literally, to bring you into his family. Nick's adoption came at great expense. It's about $40,000 to bring him into our home. We went into debt that took us a long time to get out of. We sold vehicles. My husband tells the story. He had a very nice little pickup truck he really loved. We sold it and we bought him a Junker Dodge Neon just so he could get to work. Oh, that was a terrible car. And he was sad to lose the pickup, but it meant bringing a son into our family. We whittled our budget down to the very bare basics so that we could afford to bring this child into our family. And church, God pursues you the same way. He's willing to sacrifice anything, even his only son in order to bring you into relationship with him. One more quick thing about Nick's adoption. As a part of the process, we were required to write a new will. And the will had to specify that he was equal to our children that had been born to us. That he would receive the same rights, the same benefits, and the same inheritance... As our biological children. Do you hear what I'm telling you? When we are adopted into God's family, we are given the same rights, the same privileges, and the same inheritance as God's children, the Israelites. There is no difference. And in our final adoption paperwork, we were given a new birth certificate for Nikita. And guess what? It named us as his parents. And his old birth certificate was sealed permanently. His old life had completely passed away and new life had come. Amen, church? That is what God does for us when he adopts us into his family. Everything old is wiped away. It is sealed for eternity. And new things have come, and we are part of his family with his name written on our hearts. He gives us his name. Mm. It's good, huh? Now, I just want to touch briefly on the third meaning of this word, adoption. And this one is found in Romans 8.23. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm going to read it for you. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. The meaning of this word is here is this. Adoption is the blessed state looked for in the future life after the visible return of Christ from heaven. When we have resurrected bodies. The Holy Spirit is the first fruits of our life in Christ. It's the best gift that he gives us. It's the amazing gift given to us, and the presence of the Spirit guarantees the full completion of our salvation. Now, again, this is a really big topic that has a lot of stuff to unpack, and I'm not going to do it now. But if you're interested in learning more, you can look at Acts 24.15 and John 5, 29, and 1 Corinthians, all of chapter 15. And I have to tell you that in this meaning of the word adoption, my analogy of our adoption of our son Nikita kind of breaks down, right? Because there really is no equivalent to the resurrection that we look forward to as children of God. There's really no human earthly equivalent to that. But I hope that the prospect of this culmination of your adoption is an encouragement to you. I hope this entire message is an encouragement to you. A few of my kids at one point were gifted t-shirts that celebrated their adoptions. And across the front they say, chosen and dearly loved. Can you put that picture up for me? And these, the four children who were gifted these are my four children from China. And so there's a little map of China in the O of chosen. But they say chosen and dearly loved. When I look at that, I can't help but think of God's love for you and for me. Church, you are chosen and you are dearly loved. God loved you. He pursued you. He chose you, he sacrificed for you, because he loves you as his children. And your inheritance is eternity with God in heaven. I hope you can say amen to that. Amen. Now, I don't know you all here. This is a short message. Good, because I have more time to present, and you have baptisms. I don't know you all here, and it's possible that there's someone here today who has never experienced this adoption as sons and daughters. One more really quick analogy about our children's adoption. Many of our children were older when we adopted them. You heard that Nikita was five. Elena was the youngest, and she was two. Maya was almost nine. Haley was 13, Jonathan was 14, Deborah was 15, Joseph was 16. We brought them home. Those children who were older, when it came time to go to court and finalize their adoptions, they had to consent to that adoption because they were old enough to understand what it meant. They were all really scared. And they were all really nervous because they didn't really understand what adoption meant or what it meant to be part of a family. All they knew was the orphanage life. But they all agreed to be adopted because they knew that they were, what they were committing to was better than what they had been living in. If you are here and you don't know Jesus, I am here to tell you that what he is offering you is better than what you are living in. If you want to know him, if you want to become part of his family, you want to be adopted by him, all you have to do is consent. You have to give your consent. And if that's you today and you want somebody to pray with you about that, you can tell somebody. You can tell Pastor Blake or Christina. You can tell the person who brought you here this morning. You can find me after this service. Any of us would be honored to pray with you and bring you into that adoption into God's family. Don't leave here until you do that. Because I'm guaranteeing you that what he is offering you is better than what you've been living in. You may think everything's just fine and dandy, but what you're living in is certainly going to lead to death. And what God is offering you is life and family and community and health. So don't leave here until someone prays for you and with you this morning. In fact, let's pray together. If you would bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. I just want to give you a moment with the Lord and give you opportunity Because what kind of pastor would I be if I didn't give you opportunity? Just take a moment with him. Lord Jesus, I lift up to you this morning anyone who's here who doesn't know you yet. And Lord, I ask that you would be speaking right to their hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you would touch them in a way just... Thing that I want to share with you. I'm going to shift just a little. I told you ahead of time I had an ulterior motive, so you're not shocked, right? Okay, let me tell you a short story about Daryl and me. Before we even got married, we both knew that we had been called into ministry. And we were both pretty sure we were called to be missionaries. And we spent 21 years in this church in ministry as volunteers we were in youth ministry and we were in worship ministry and missions ministry and a couple other things but all that time we had this really nagging feeling that we weren't fulfilling all God had for us and we kept asking the Lord when when are you going to send us we're ready we're willing send us just didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and then we were asked to take the leavenworth four square church which we did 2017 and it has definitely absolutely been the place where god has placed us but i have to admit that we've still felt called to work in missions and of course by that time we had a multinational church right under our own roof and so we thought well maybe this is the missionary work that God has called us to maybe he's just called us to minister to these children and bring them into our family but how many know we serve a creative God we had already developed some relationships in Sierra Leone through our adoptions and we already had a love for the people and the culture there and this brochure came out from FMI, Forced Missions International. And it was different pages and it told of the different needs for missionaries around the world. And lo and behold, right in the middle of this little booklet was a little blurb that said, FMI is looking for a couple to be emissaries to Sierra Leone, West Africa. Now, like you, I'm sure you're going, what is an emissary? We had no idea. What is an emissary? We don't know. But we contacted our friend Kai Martin, who at that time was the missions director for our district, and we just said, hey, what's this about? Because, hey, we really like Sierra Leone, and, hey, we think we may have a call to missions. And it turns out that it was a match literally made in heaven. What they were looking for was a couple who would commit to traveling to Sierra Leone twice a year for two to three weeks each time to train and to encourage pastors already on the ground. There's already a really strong four-square presence there. They didn't really need a full-time missionary to go and start churches and to train up pastors. But what they needed was someone to come and train in theology and doctrine and give encouragement to the pastors that are already was right in step with the giftings that God had given us. I'm a teacher by trade and Daryl, if you know him, is about the most amazing encourager I've ever known. And I'm not even biased. And his best friend, Getting to know the four square leaders and letting them get to know us. And we are nearly through the entire process with FMI to become officially Four Square Emissaries to Sierra Leone. In fact, we're so close that it's okay for us to call ourselves emissaries. So I just want to share a couple of things about our ministry as emissaries. So here's the first one i have to go over here because i have to see my own slides so what we do as emissaries in in foursquare and in sierra leone is we give support to pastor peter cargbo he's the in-country leader in sierra leone he has about 12 pastors who work underneath him in this country of about three million people there's about 13 foursquare churches We give trainings to the current pastors and leaders in theology and doctrine and ministry. We meet and encourage pastors and leaders in more remote areas. The last time we were there, last June, uh, we were able to go into some really remote areas. We went into a little village called Kamakwe that's completely off the grid. No electricity, no running water. Uh, You drive through the bush for hours and hours and you come upon this clearing and here's this town. Um, And so we were able to go um, into that remote area and there is a four square church there and meet and encourage the pastor there. We also do marketplace ministry. We actually go out into the street, just meet people. We shake hands and we say, hello, how are you? Can we tell you about Esau? We usually call Jesus Esau because it's a 75% Muslim country and their name for Jesus is Esau. Um, Just a little bit about Sierra Leone. They are known throughout the world to be the one country where Muslims and Christians live in peace and harmony. About 75% Muslim, about 15% Christian. There's also a lot of animism, uh, some different. happening uh, there. The very first time we were there, we were staying in a hotel and we were up on a balcony yeah, outside our hotel and right down below us was this evangelical church and they were having the most raucous worship service I've ever heard in my life. Really, truly. I mean the I think they blew out a speaker or two. they were I mean they were going for it. and right behind us was the mosque and they were broadcasting the call to prayer the same time and we looked at each other and said where are we what have we done so uh we we go into the marketplace and we just meet people and we say tell me about tell me about what you know about Esau did you know that Jesus is mentioned more in the Quran than Muhammad is they know about Esau so that's what we do in Sierra Leone go ahead and go to the next one This is Pastor Peter Cargbo. He's the in-country leader. That is the headquarters, the four-square headquarters church in Sierra Leone. This is a fancy church, people. So there's Pastor Peter with Daryl and Pastor Peter with me. Uh, When I go to church in Africa, I try to always uh, wear African. And by the way, the dress I'm wearing today was made for me in Africa uh, on our last trip. me with a dress every time I go, which is lovely. Uh, but I to to honor their culture, I try to always dress African at church, so that's that's me and as African as it gets. their Their ladies will wear these elaborate head wraps and hats and high heels, and I don't do that, but I do this. So that's Pastor Peter, go ahead. Here's Daryl. Um, Daryl is preaching and teaching at the four square headquarters church and the people that you see here on your right are the pastors and leaders and their families um and we did a we did a two-day a two-day training last time we were there and this is them uh really digging into the word and learning some things about how to minister to the people around them go ahead So this is, you can see, 10 containers of oil, 10 bags of rice, some onions, and some boxes of chicken. We spent $500 last time we were there and bought all this food, and it fed 10 pastors and their families for an entire month. Inflation is so bad there. Uh, They are so impoverished. And the pastors just really don't have. we give the money so that they can feed all the people who come for the trainings we also give money so that the pastors can travel to be at the trainings because it costs money to travel um, so that was um, $500 worth of food fed 10 pastors and their families for an entire month go ahead so here's some ways you can help us with our ministry in Sierra Leone you could help with expenses to provide materials for trainings give toward our travel and our in-country expenses to go twice each year Daryl just got back in February we're going again on July 28th we're going to take Matt and Ashley Hamlet with us yeah Ashley went with us once before but Matt's never been Um, you can give funds to be able to bless pastors with food and other supplies and you could pray for a mighty work of God in Sierra Leone the uh, materials for the trainings um, the other thing that we're hoping to take with us this next time we go is we'd really like to take a suitcase full of paperback New Testaments that we can just give out on the street um, last time Daryl was at an open air ministry and uh, a, man, a man came up to him after, after the uh, message and said hi my name is Ishmael before today I was a Muslim and now I am a Christian bible and daryl said only one it's mine here you go and he handed it to him and by the way the next day they were having a training for pastors and leaders in that little town ishmael came and he brought six friends with him they all got saved that day and he took them down to the river and baptized them it was pretty cool pretty cool so pray for a mighty work of god in sierra leone let's go ahead to the next one so we we actually have a two-fold ministry in sierra leone one is our official fmi ministry as emissaries and then we also support and are connected with an orphanage in sierra leone in freetown it's called the dream again home and the dream again home uh, currently houses officially 12 children They actually feed 22 a day, but they officially have 12. Um, Through the generosity of donors, yourselves included, even if you don't know it, uh, we were able to help them purchase a new piece of land that is now under development, seven and a half acres out of the city, where they can have a church, a school, a garden, chickens, goats, they want to be more self-sustainable, and they want to have room for a lot more children so that they can, um, can house a lot more children. Let's go ahead to the next one. This is Pastor Joshua and his wife, Juliet. Pastor Joshua um, was in the Sierra Leone Civil War. If you don't know about the Civil War, you need to look it up. A very brutal and long Civil War. Pastor Joshua used himself as a human shield during the Civil War. He is a man of God, and when it was over, he started wandering out into the bush to find children who had been orphaned by the war, and bringing them into um, this facility so that he could care for them. And then again, after the Ebola crisis in Sierra Leone, he went out and found children who had been orphaned and brought them to the Dream Again Home. So he, um, the Dream Again Home, is the orphanage that we adopted our kids Joseph and Deborah from in 2017. Um, and this is his wife Juliet And when, when the new facility is built uh, Juliet and Joshua and their son JJ Are going to move out to the new facility And actually be the house mother and house father For the children at the home And he has big plans, people He wants to have a fish pond And grow fish that they can sell in the market And then use the fish pond water to water the garden He's just, he's got plans So, um, next slide here are some of the children at the Dream Again Home, hanging out under the mango tree. This is this is where they live. The ladies that you see up on the upper step, that's the outdoor kitchen. That's where they cook all the food. Uh, the kids get one meal a day at the Dream Again Home. So these are some of the kiddos. Um, and then Daryl, the kid magnet, everywhere he goes, this is what happens. He was taking them and throwing them up into the air. So I think that's part of the draw. Um, But there he is, um, always surrounded by kids, always, always. Go ahead. So here are some ways you can help with the Dream Again home. We have a fund set up for monthly support of the orphanage. It provides food, school fees, and salaries for the staff. You can give toward the building fund, helping to get the new facility built before the lease runs out on the current building could give toward our travel and in-country expenses to go twice each year you could consider joining us on a trip to Sierra Leone and you could adopt So if you know of anyone who is interested in talking to me about adopting a beautiful, amazing 14-year-old girl, you need to come talk to me right away because we need to get her a family. Okay? Okay. And now I have a personal request. We have now completed the adoption of two more children. in country in February. He was able to get their adoption completed. Their names are Ruth and Serenity. Those are their those are their American names they chose for themselves. We let our kids choose them. Um, we're hoping to bring them home when we travel on this next trip in late July or early, early August. We're hoping to bring them home with us. They are officially ours. The adoption is done. We have their new birth certificates. But we can't bring them home until immigration paperwork is all done and that takes longer than anything else go ahead here they are serenity and ruth ruth is 14 serenity is 13 go ahead so there are some ways you can help god has blessed us with most of the funds needed to complete the adoption we figure we need about eight thousand dollars more to make make the rest happen that includes their flights home to see all the rest that we need about $8,000 more pray for the completion of necessary paperwork to apply for their visas and pray specifically for favor with USCIS that's U.S. Customs and Immigration so that we will be able to get visas for the girls and bring them home in August I have with me today some little postcards code on the bottom of here and if you scan that QR code it will take you directly to our ministry page on our church website and um, and a link for uh, giving if that is something that the Lord has laid on your heart. Now that QR code and that link will take you specifically to our FMI emissary page and that is separate from our Dream Again Home and adoption funding. So if you to give toward um, our ministry as emissaries you would use this card if you would like to and god has placed it on your heart to give toward the dream again home or toward our adoption um, you just need to come talk to me and I'll, i'll show you a different a different route okay thank you so much for allowing me to come and to share with you and to bring the word this morning